Hi, my name is Antonia Dominguez. And I'm Linda Coogan. And you're listening to Wine, the long and the short of it. In proud partnership with Give Wine a Future. How well do you know your wines? From the simple to the complex, from acidity to Symphondel. Welcome to Wine, the long and the short of it. My name is Antonia Dominguez, the long. And my name is Linda Coogan, the short. Between us, we have over 30 years collective experience in wine buying, wine retail and wine education. Every week we discuss a topic, product or trend from the world of wine. Hi, Linda. Good afternoon, Antonia. How are you today? I'm good. So we're going to kick off today's episode with um, a little interesting thing that you were really surprised that I was interested in talking about. Yeah. But when I heard that you went to visit Bollinger, mm-hmm. I was a little bit intrigued about what you're going to be doing there, whether it was just, you know, drinking champagne on tap or whether you're actually going to work and actually pick some grapes in a harvest. There was a bit of both, <laughs> I should say. So, yeah, I was very fortunate to go to um, Bollinger to visit Bollinger and Ayala, which is one of their champagne houses as well, um, last week for now. I feel like a bit of a cheat when I say I've, I've inverted commas. Here yeah, when I say I went to harvest, it was literally three hours of grape picking um, and the rest of it was, you know, lovely winery visits and lovely meals and lunch in the vineyard and plenty of Bollinger. Um, so, no, it was, it was fabulous. But the harvesting part was an eye opener. It was, I mean, just to physically get into the vineyard, it's backbreaking work. Yeah. Can I just say? Yeah. Like, I wanted to actually talk about, to explain to people what a harvest is. You know, yeah. literally, it's time to pick the grapes. The work has been done for the year. What is the harvest? What's involved? Because I'll tell you about my experience okay. of, of one shortly. Um. It's not as exotic as yours, but, you know, it's really... It was Go back, on. No, no, I'm going to tell you shortly, but I'm going to keep you... you the know, intrigue. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but what is the point of a harvest? I mean, the grapes, they've done their work. That's all there is to it. And off they go and pick the grapes now. What's the big The deal? whole thing is really <laughs> complex. I mean... I have to remember the grower's job is, among other things, apart from minding the vines, pruning the vines, maintaining um, the vines, you know, making sure that, you know, the trellising system is correct, that, um, you know, they, if if there's any infections there, pests and diseases, making sure if, you, if, if the grower uses spraying or fungicides or herbicides or organic treatments or biodynamic treatments um, to, to make sure that the vines stay healthy. Um, you know, prevention of any other afflictions such as, you know, spring Pests. frosts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You nature, know, and then nature you have nature, yeah, hail. I mean, some some wineries or vineyards are plagued with things like hail that can literally rip the berries off the vine. It's it's terrible. Um, if you have, to, if you're allowed and you have to use irrigation systems, that's all the grower's responsibility. So it's it's a huge undertaking, but specifically when it comes to harvesting, you have to, um, I suppose establish when it's the right time to pick the grapes, mm-hmm. and, and you've only got one chance at getting this right in in a season. Like do you know, like in the in the four seasons, yeah, you know, and it's it's so important. It is, and and to determine what is the 
the right picking time. Mm-hmm. So that'll depend on, you know, things like bricks value, which is your, you know, ripeness, your level of ripeness, your sugar accumulation in the grape and your levels of acidity. And they'll be testing and trying the grapes and doing tests in like the lab. Actually tasting them as well. Yeah. yeah. And um, I suppose a seasoned grower knows when the time is right. And then they'll be also trying to predict, well, hang on a minute, what's happening with the weather? Is there going to be some, you know, huge deluge of rainfall that's going to dilute our crop or... Which happened, you know. do you remember when mm-hmm. we were in Rueda last year, there was a, a bit of a, a downpour and they had yeah. to actually wait a couple of days for some of the plots till the sun came out again. Well, there was that yeah. as well, yeah, yeah. So so it is tricky and it, it especially if it's kind of a lot of vineyard land, then you have to, you have all of the logistics around labour. Labour is a massive challenge as well when it comes to harvesting because if you can imagine some very remote vineyards in the middle of, you know, Extremadura, Castilla-La Mancha, or, you know, even in Champagne when I was there, there, <laughs> was, there can be, um, yeah, I know California has had huge labor problems. It, yeah, it's very difficult to get the labor force, you know, there at a t- in a timely manner and and coming back every every time because they might, they're probably not going to be part of your full time labor force. And um, you have to you have to coordinate all that and time all that and, you know, get the right stuff because the actual picking process, it's 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 tricky. It's you have to be astute about it and you have to be careful about about it. Now, we're talking about hand harvesting here. So what I did in Bollinger last week was um, a hand harvest. And that's, you know, by by law, that's what the way it has to be. You know, the grapes have to be handpicked. You're sticking your hand up, sorry. Um, would that mean that it'd be easier for me because I'm so short and you're so Actually, tall? Actually, you'd, you'd have been be brilliant. <laughs> you could have whipped there under. I was bending now <laughs> for breaking my back. You'd have been zipping underneath me. Um, there, there was a woman there who was Vertically challenged. Very <laughs> short and she was flying it. <laughs> so really, you um, should hire me to do all your... your yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> no, it's tricky. They were telling me that the weekend before they had had serious spike in temperatures. It was 30 something degrees and there were... Uh, pickers were like literally passing out in the vineyard. No way. Yeah. Give them a glass of champagne. And no, honestly. <laughs> and no, I know. It's, 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 it's was, Yeah, work. I mean, we were only there... For three hours in you know, twenty five degrees Celsius, and you could feel like you you could really t- you know, feel the physical toll it was taken. Um, so the thing is, you have to be able to visually assess the grapes that you're picking and see have they been affected by. So in this case, they there is a quite a lot of there can be mildew. So um, you have to look at the grapes, see has this been affected by mildew, like sort of almost grade the grape. And they had like eight, eight, five grades. Uh, it was A, B, C, D, and E. Uh, or if you are looking at the grapes and they haven't fully ripened, or all of them haven't fully ripened, um, or some of the berries haven't grown, or they're very tightly bunched, and you know, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. You just you have to be able to assess and then decide is this good enough to keep or not. And if not, you have to drop them to the ground, well, or leave them on the vine. Yeah, so if they weren't fully ripened, but there was a bit more sunshine, would they bother coming back? I don't think they do yeah. a second pass in yeah. this instance. Is that um, what it's called, a second pass? Or a tree, yeah, that's <laughs> true. But um, but yeah, um, so yeah, you, you, you have to hire people that you know are going to do the job for you and, and select the grapes carefully and not just be flinging them any old bunch into the, into the bucket. And then you have guys who are like, basically once your bucket is full, they put it into a larger tray and they're, they're whizzing it down to the end of the row and off they're going because if you don't want your grapes sitting out in the sun, 
yeah. you know, which at risk of spoilage, at risk of oxidation. So they need to get back to the winery as fast as possible to retain their freshness and um, to be pressed as soon as possible. That's so what I mean. Like this is like, I would be a stress ball. I'd actually yeah. be like on the floor. <laughs> I'd be like off his go. I wouldn't be able to deal with that. They were very chilled out. I mean, they were Pinot Noir grapes we were picking. There were some beautiful bunches. It was the, lovely. The yeah. diva of a grape. Yeah. Delicate. Well, that's... Well, that's skinned. Yeah. And that's the image you have in your head and then here you are just like sort of hacking away at them. No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> Delicately. <laughs> yeah. Fondling um, each of the berries. <laughs> no, not sorry, quite. Sorry. No, Lindy can carried away. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I mean, people, I don't think, realise how important this crucial window of time and it's such a short window and it depends obviously on the vineyard location the climate, the temperature, the weather, all of that up to the time of when they can pick the is a phenolic ripeness of the grapes. Phenolic ripeness, yeah. Phenolic ripeness and in your sugar ripeness. So if I suppose phenolic ripeness would refer more to the structural elements of the grape, whereas the, the, the sugar ripeness is the level of sweetness. And, mm-hmm. and it depends on the style of wine that you are making. What is your ideal levels? You know, because if you're making a champagne or really crisp and lean white wine, then you're looking for freshness and you need your acidity to be crisp at the perhaps at the expense of your sugar ripeness. Which when I was uh, teaching WSET students level two, Mm -hmm. it took them a while to understand that because Mm -hmm. they hadn't been in a vineyard. They hadn't, you know tasted what a grape was like when it's underripe you know and they yeah. just are used to supermarket grapes yeah so for me it's kind of getting your head around the fact that oh yeah you need everything to be balanced in harmony in order to produce the perfect yeah. wine for what the end result and with champagne for example you do need the high acidity because mm-hmm. the bubbles are going to carry it and all that but obviously you need you're blending three different grapes usually mm-hmm. um so you need each of them to do their role and give what they're giving yeah um i mean yes i think every grape variety is inherently offering something different in terms of its structure and its flavor profile but you know coming back to that idea of how does the grape taste when you pick it off the vine uh if it's green and astringent it's going to be face. it's going to be green and astringent in the wine yeah you know it's going to be insipid um so you do need a certain level of ripeness for sure but i suppose the whole thing is you know most uh vineyards are I won't say most, but obviously a lot of wines are now machine harvested. Mm -hmm. It's not all a case of hand picking. So that um, that that's terrible, isn't it? Now, here we go. This is Uh, a really interesting point of conversation because a lot of people and producers still use the hand harvesting as a a unique selling point or as a selling point. You know, our grapes are hand harvested, you know, not when they actually have to do it by law, like champagne. They say, oh, well, our grapes are. So yeah. that's supposed to obviously increase the price of it or the, um, what's the word? I suppose it's trying to give off the idea of premium yeah. wine and quality wine. And mm-hmm. these are handpicked grapes and we literally sort through them grape by grape and so on. Um, look, it is obviously a case that you can, you can inspect grapes easier when they're in your hand and you're handpicking them. But I think we've done a little bit or maybe the perception does a little bit of an an injustice to machine harvesting because machinery has come on so much Mm -hmm. in last years that in the final in the final years, do you hear me? (laughs) (laughs) In recent years that um, the machinery is really sophisticated now and they used to be really aggressive. They used Mm -hmm. to literally rattle the grapes off the vine. 
um, and they're much more gentle now. Um, so I suppose the question is, in what case do you have hand harvesting? In what case do you need to use your machine harvesting? And well, on the on the slopes of the Mosul. On the, well, that's that's a prime <laughs> example. Yeah, you're or, not going to be hanging yeah. a machine out of the, you know, it's well, quite I impossible. Mean, have you seen those, you know, you're familiar with them, I'm familiar with them, but the vineyards of the Mosul Valley or places like that are so steep and slanty and so narrow. It's impossible. Yeah. Do you know what I was watching the other day? Remember, we were talking about this Gino and Gordon and Fred Sirius. We need to watch I uh, just, one of these together. The, it's so funny. Oh, God. I was watching. You, you saw oh. the one where they went to Hedef. I did not. Oh my God, you have to watch this. Okay. I think they're absolutely hammered and on Sherry the whole time. we actually didn't, like there was nothing to do with Sherry in this episode and you managed to put it in and tell you. Of course I did. God. Oh my God. Um, and then in the second episode, I don't want to ruin it, but they go to, they go up to Galicia and to Santiago and all those, you know, that part of the world and they go to Ribera Sacra and oh. they meet a wine producer, but they're going up really, really steep slopes and they meet this 86 year old woman who still tends to the vines and she goes out on these steep slopes every day and yeah you can't put a machine harvester up there I had the nicest photograph I ever have gotten taken of me mm-hmm. is at in Ribera Sacra up in the middle of the mountains mm. it's the back of me and mm-hmm. I'm holding a glass of wine just looking out and it's just unbelievable the back of me yeah. obviously that's why I it's thought you were in yes, I was but we travelled no 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 that was Rivera right. Sacra okay yeah um, which we went region. to this winemaker's um, little little cosy little tavern thing that he had in the middle of the woods and our, our the vineyards was unreal oh yeah I oh, know it's fab up there but yeah you couldn't be getting a machine up there in a million no. years and so, if you asked me to do the hand harvesting there I'd be like how much are you paying me I know like you know but generally do people get paid when they're like usually it's bed and breakfast and a bit of wine and food. I, do, I mean, they're such small. Well, up that area, you, they tend to be quite small, the vineyards and the producers. So, you know, they're using their own staff and the locals, and friends, I think, you know, and even in Champagne, where I just was, they do the same. It's kind of, you know, friends of friends and they all kind of muck in. Sorry, I interrupted your machine harvest. We'll go back to that now yeah. in a second. But hold on, just about people you know, people can go and get an experience of doing a harvest in different places. So people will go as part of their wine studies and do that as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I know plenty of people who've done it. I've never really asked them what, why? you know, not why, but how, <laughs> would you? how do they, do they, do they just write to the wineries and say, here, I'd like to volunteer? Probably. Yeah. And I'd say people are delighted for wine enthusiasts to be yeah. coming and I think uh, it'd be great. And, yeah, I'd do it if I was 20 odd plus years younger. <laughs> ah, come on, you're valuable. No. I'll be on the ground doing it, <laughs> flying along. <laughs> right, like back, to your, <laughs> back um, to your machines. So uh, so that's one reason if you have a really steep slope and, you know, narrow rows and so on. And um, the other reason might be because you have an, you've got a bush vines. A what now? Bush vines, you know. Uh, I know. Old, I know. So bush vines is a type of a vine and it looks like a tiny kind of, a, I suppose, a stump of a tree with the, you know, the vines kind Bushy. of kind of spilling out over it and I, I'm not describing it <laughs> to sound very a bushy, a bushy little plant it's more like a it's like a jeez <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were going to ask you to describe I mean, but other vines are up high yeah the, other, so, you know, so as opposed to trellis like trellis and, yeah. trellised vines you know bush vines are they're standalone plants and In the Rome Yes, in the Rome. Well, not just the Rome. I know, but, but that would be lots, lots of, you know, well um, South Africa. You have them in Castilla-La Mancha. You have them in lots of parts of Rioja. You have them 
in, in, everywhere. I mean, even Australia, old vines. Um, and these are vines that uh, typically go back. They tend to be quite old because they were sort of the initial form that the vine took before growers started using trellises to vertically train them and so on. And uh, you have to handpick those. So I just, I'm, you know, I'm so good at all this research. Okay, so a bush vine, yeah, vine print um, that they have one to three bud spurs. Now you're just like confusing things. Yeah. Okay, I'm doing like a tree, like my hands. I can see it, but no one else can see it. My head is another. If you (laughs) basically put yourself down the ground there and I start sticking things to you, right? We'll put a picture with this with the show notes. Yes. Oh yeah. More show notes that you'll never deliver. (laughs) If people email me, they get on their email list and they get them. Sorry, it's you doing all that in the background. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that was a little magic fairy. So bush vines can't be uh, machine harvested. They're they're too because low to the ground, and they're yeah, exactly. Um, so and most people who have say old bush bush vines don't want to tra- convert to track. <laughs> you have to get a grip, will you? I'm just laughing to myself. <laughs> I can't talk when we you like this, right? I think we should leave some of this in anyway, though. Right, fine. Okay. Bushwine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All I'm thinking about is the label now of the no, bush. No, but you know, that? I have that coming up in okay. the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I need like, to do more oh, of stuff. Is, stuff. Right. So bush vines are, can't be hand harvested for obvious reasons. And um, the, the very low to the ground and all that crack. And um, a lot of people don't want to convert them to trellis be- because they are old and they are prized for being old. So old vines are a precious thing. They, you know, they predate phylloxera and all that. And they tend to produce wines with great concentration and so <coughs> on. So um, those can't be machine harvested. Other reasons we've already talked about, um, you know, AOC laws or the wine, the laws of the wine region won't permit a machine uh, harvest. And then other reasons are, you know, well, are you producing a sweet wine like a botrytized Riesling? Then you have to handpick the grapes because you have to pick grapes that have been affected by botrytis. So a machine harvester can't be selective about that. Now, well, AI might get into these machines and start doing all sorts. You never know. Well, you never know. But anyway, um, yeah, anything to do with that kind of, you know, minute detail. Minute detail. um, And I don't know, do we need to explain botrytis and and sort of botrytized grapes? We're going to do a little episode. No, we're going to do an episode on fortified and sweet wines before the end of the season. So So botrytis is a noble rot which um, basically pierces the grape and sucks all the water out and concentrates the sugars and gives this kind of honey saffron aromas to a wine. And oh. it's it's grapes that have been, have been affected by botrytis and botrytis only grows in certain conditions and humid conditions and sunny afternoons and misty mornings. Um, it's true. Um, so then the producer who uses botrytis grapes has to go again and they'll pass through the, the vineyard several times and collect and pick the right, the right, grapes. the right. Grapes. So yeah, you okay. can't use machine harvesters for that. Yeah, but you're paying it an, an absolute premium for a wine like that. Yeah, I suppose you are, but you know, not you know, there's some affordable options out there. Okay, right. So, 
But like I said, I think the main thing that I'd like to get across is that it's not always the case that machine harvested grapes are not conducive to high quality. Quite quite the contrary. Yeah. Um, And if you think about it, if you're using a machine harvester, grapes will get to the back to the winery quicker. So they'll be fresher and they'll reduce risk of oxidation and of you know, spoilage. And as I said, they're much more sophisticated now. So there's less, you know, risk of damage to the actual grapes. So, yeah, that's, yeah, they're very standard, you know, machine harvesters. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I think if there's Mm -hmm. a more efficient way to do something that Mm -hmm. you don't have to do it a certain way, make your life easier. Yeah. Get a Thermomix. I mean, just all of this. What? Sorry, (laughs) remind You slipped that in. You got a rabbit. I was just thinking. No, I was going back thinking about the lovely, yeah. No, but honest honest to God, though, if there is a quicker way to pick and collect the grapes that are perfectly fine of picking with a machine, then you don't have to do it. Obviously, laws, regulations, all that, you must. Okay, fine. You must. Uh Did you get that? Yeah. (laughs) Bad joke. (laughs) Really bad. Anyway. Um, So that's that's grand, but 100%. I mean, Mm. machine harvesting is absolutely not bad they don't normally advertise that the wine has been machine harvest you don't see that but they no. absolutely like you said do highlight mm. these grapes have been um, handpicked and absolutely. selected and remember you could have grapes that are machine harvested they're brought back quickly to the yeah. winery and, and then, then they're sorted, they're sorted in the winery the by you know the team of people who receive the grapes which mm-hmm. is very common as well yeah so, yeah, we can't be giving machine harvesters bad rap. No, we're not. We're no, being I know. very equal to all. Yeah. Um, but again, it's such an important thing, the harvest. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so people should know. Do you know, there's lovely traditions around harvest and in every wine region has their own tradition. I mean, down in Jerez, <gasps> they have, as they do in many uh, regions, they'll have like the harvest day celebrations. So, you know, the day of harvest, they'll have everybody gathers in the town and they have a little bit of a show and the blessing of the grapes and the blessing of the harvesters. Really? Oh, yeah, it's lovely. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and even that whole ritual when I was in Bollinger of mm. have of um, of after we had done a few hours of toil in the sun. We had like With a glass we had of bolly in hand. Probably. We were handed like a Bollinger rosé, and then the table was, you know, all set out for us to have this gorgeous you know, four course lunch in the vineyard, looking out on onto the vines, and it was just gorgeous. Yeah. Can I just tell you, my friend Celine um, did a harvest in New Zealand. Oh yeah, and she sent me. Don't ask me. I'm just. This is just after coming to me, so I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Burns Cottage is the name of the winery. I'm not sure if that's right. I'm going to throw it out there. But she saw that I tasted this particular wine, and mm-hmm. she was like, "Oh my god, I picked those grapes!" And I was explaining to her, "You didn't pick the grapes that I'm drinking." now from 20 years ago uh, yeah <laughs> but oh yeah, yeah you know yeah. but like if someone does a harvest I think it's really exciting because the grapes that you've picked are going to be in a wine somebody's that you wine yeah, I it's know. like Willy Wonka golden ticket like you never <laughs> know what you're gonna get no but you know it is true because as we work as the crates were being carried away you know um you're the guy who was kind of leading the whole thing was saying oh you know you're you know you could be drinking a bottle of Bali in five years or six six years because I mean they they age aged. on the lees for, you know, five years. Um, well, you know, it could be these this this very batch of grapes that you picked today. And there's something There's just really lovely to continue to drink it for well, five years. I mean, I don't need Love a reason. Yeah, because to be fair, the quality <laughs> that goes into Bollinger is unbelievable. It's next to none. Um, yeah. Another story. Go um, on. Do you remember when we were in Rueda this time last year? Yeah. Um, and we... It was our last day. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was our last day. We were leaving that morning and there was an old man. Oh, 
he's so cute and he came in with his tractor and he oh, dumped yeah, the grapes yeah, in he, yeah. and he was it was a co-op yeah and yeah, yeah he was bringing his grapes to a co-op for them yeah. to do and he was standing over watching the grapes being poured in chuffed. I was like oh he was so emotional and so was yeah. I, I was nearly bawling taking pictures of him and he was yes, so cute <laughs> but I just thought he was so lovely but yeah, again that's his year's work do you know what I mean yeah, I know like, he was really proud yeah, yeah. and like this is what I mean about why I think it's important for people to understand Yes, the harvest is a big term, but it's the wine that you're going to be consuming at some point. And the more that goes into the the making of it and it's the whole season, they're farmers making. They are farmers. Yeah. But what, what was lovely about that guy is because he's because it's a cooperative that's making the wine. He has a fractional ownership in that business as well. Mm-hmm. And they're all contributing. And I think cooperatives have really come a long way because yeah. they used to be associated with low quality. Yeah. And that is not no longer the case. You know, in Italy in particular, there were a lot of cooperatives and they were just turning out any old cheap plunk. And now they've really gotten their act together and standards have come up and co-ops really take care of their produce, you know. And they, Well, yeah. you could tell that this co-op was amazing and yeah. that the, the producer was, or the farmer was just chuffed, involved. Yeah. Can I tell you, um, unless you have something major to say, I want to finish with my nice. I um, don't have anything major to say. <laughs> my <laughs> my experience of harvesting. Yeah. Um, I went when I was 25 living in London and I decided to do my wine studies. Oh, you mentioned this before. I took my, my annual leave to go on a train all the way to Surrey. <laughs> <laughs> really exotic. Exotic. Yeah. Uh, to Denby's. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's and great. there was a, a wine tour. I was like 20. No, I was about 40 years younger than anyone there at the mm-hmm. time. And I was like little wine Hello. nerd. Yeah, nerd yeah. going around. And uh, like they did the whole show. They showed you everything and all the rest. And I just thought for me doing my studies back then, I was doing the level three advanced certificate. And for me, it really got me into the zone of mm-hmm. understanding and feeling the soil and seeing all that and touching the grapes. Like they let us cut a <laughs> they let us cut a thing oh. off. But just you know, it's Lovely. so sweet. But like that's um, the UK's biggest winery now. Yeah, do you know, and they yeah. have over three hundred thousand visitors a year. Yeah, and um, you know, most of the wine is sold through there. And I just thought that that like that was twenty years ago nearly, mm-hmm. and that was sweet. You know? so that's mm. my not as exotic as Bollinger. That's hey. okay. We'll give you that one. That's lovely. Can I give you my wine of the week? Yeah. Night Timber. Sparkling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, English sparkling wine. Absolutely gorgeous. Tasted it there on Monday at Liberty's Wine Tasting. And I just thought it was stunning. I remember using it for um, a wine day that I had for these kind of VIPs. And I gave it to them. I'm like, oh, here's your bubbles. And they're, oh, champagne, champagne. Thank you. And I didn't correct them. Love it. And I said... Uh, here you go, here you go. And then I said, what you're drinking is actually an English sparkling wine. And they were like, what? 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 Couldn't believe it. Why? Um, because they just hadn't. Mm. Now, this is a couple of years ago. Okay. And uh, they just couldn't believe that the quality that it tasted like a champagne, it was from England. I, just I have to, to say, it's, it, no, a big shout out. The only difficulty there is that you can't get your hands on any because. I drank it all. Well, they're, <laughs> yeah, because they're, they, they are, um, they're consuming so much of it in, in England um, all the supply is 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 going to meet their domestic demand. Oh, right. And um didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, huge amount of it. So very little of it is getting exported. I know we in Ireland we're lucky to be able to, to but even at that you don't see them that wide. They're not that widespread. You no, know, you can get them, but they're yeah. not that widespread. Night Timber is a particularly good one. Yeah. I think it's an excellent one. Yeah, I love it. 
Um, so um, I suppose I have to highlight one of my Bollinger food and wine pairings. I mean, I could I could go all day. Like the Bollinger rosé we had at this vineyard lunch was served with like a gazpacho, but it was done with like the lovely um, like langoustine prawns in it and. A, I know you'd never I'm put it together. It up, really? But it was like a fresh kind of a so cucumber. Cold. But it was cold. kind of yeah. It was kind of a. It wasn't chilled. Chilled. It was mm-hmm. more like room temperature, but it was so fresh and and you know it had the the acidity of the tomato like a, and the okay, but and the, the delicacy of the prawn. I'll have just to be brought there and say, make sure it's all I right yeah. <laughs> It was it was superb, and there were so many pairings that were fantastic. But but we had the Bollinger RD two thousand and eight. What's or, that mean? RD means recently disgorged. What's that mean? Oh God. You started it. Okay. So they've aged it for a longer period of time. This is a, a vintage champagne mm-hmm. and it's to tell you that it's recently been disgorged and is ready for drinking now. Disgorge meaning it's basically it's recently been released. I'm not going into the No, we're doing sparkling wine. We're yeah. doing it again. Okay. And they served it with like um like a cheese plate. That from a cheesemaker, local guy, and I can't even tell you the name of this cheese, but it was just they were so proud that they'd have they had this collaboration with this cheesemaker where they had this agreement that like, this pairing would go everywhere together. I mean, it was just it was like a really soft, nutty kind of a mushroomy cheese with the with the Bollinger, the intensity of and the kind of again the nuttiness and the from, creaminess because it's aged longer. You the, get more yeah, of those exactly savory, savory notes. notes. Okay. Yeah, no, fantastic. So. I'm closing my eyes. I'm picturing being there. Like yeah, we up. also I could go all day long. We had them. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I was going to say you know the one more eye. cheese. Go on. Okay. Well, the, have you tasted the Grand Anne? Or the A, I've, which is I a have, Pinot Noir. To be honest, if I have, I've tasted it. I've had like a little drink. Okay, no, I haven't we'll drank do, it. We'll do the Blanc de Noir, which is the Bollinger Pinot Noir A, A-Y, okay. um, 2018. And it was served with like a fillet of turbot with like a champagne. Um, Mousse. Well, like it wasn't a anyways, It was like, um, oh, I'm looking for the word. Don't know what it is. Anyway, it was a, it was like a, yeah, a little foam. saw. Not a, yeah, kind of a foam. But there's a word I'm missing Snow. No, it wasn't a snow. No way. I watched this movie, The Menu, the other day. Oh, did you see it? No, I turned it off. Did you watch it to the end? No, I did not. It was mental. Ralph Fiennes, that one. Yes. What, what, where, at what point did you, did you. um, At a point where it was appropriate to turn it off. It was mental. Where the guy who didn't want to work there anymore. That point. Okay. Okay, movie. Yeah. We like our movies and wine as well. Yeah, uh, the, but, that, that's a movie mm-hmm. though and a half. No, I mean, never. That is I won't like, watch it again. Yeah, it's a little Would disturbing. No, but when I, like it was. Because they were talking about snow and like, yeah, the yeah, food. Yeah. I thought it was going to be about food and wine. I was like, oh yeah, grand, watch this. It was, Chilling. It's the texture <gasps> of a Bourblanc, but it's <gasps> champagne. Sorry. Do you know what I mean? It's made from champagne. Okay, you know? I like it. Yeah. Moving back to food. Sorry. Okay, we'll move on from that. Um, you know, quizzes for me. No, not in the harvest. This is more of a nice storytelling okay. situation. But you Lovely. never know what I have up my sleeve. For the okay. next episode. Yeah. Okay. This is it. All right. Well, till next time, folks. Until next week. Cheers. Cheers. So what do you think? We do these podcasts because we want you, our listeners, to know what's going on in the world of wine and be informed when it comes to your wine buying decisions. We always love hearing from you. So let us know your thoughts on Instagram and Twitter. Sign up for our newsletter. And if you haven't subscribed to Wine, the long and the short of it yet, make sure you do that wherever you get your podcasts. Or reach out to us by email at ourwinepodcast at gmail.com. 
Until next time, I'm Antonia Dominguez. And I'm Linda Coogan. Cheers. Cheers. You have been listening to Wine, the Long and the Short of It with me, Antonia Dominguez. And me, Linda Coogan, in proud partnership with Give Wine a Future.